This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Keel. And me, Roger Bell West. We're back uh, this month to discuss uh, wealth and uh, fame and glory and, and what you do when they have triumphed. Also looking into GM grunt work. work working up the details of the dungeon and the monster and, and the treasure. Are, are there sensible ways to automate it and is that a good idea? Also, a unique new feature, which we'll tell you about closer to the end. Uh, before that, I should uh, remind you that uh, we, ha- we have a tip jar, and we have been given a tip by Dave Morris. The Dave Morris. Um, whom I, I know uh, primarily from Dragon Warriors, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Corgi-published paperback system from late 80s, early 90s. He also had some tech email involvement. I believe so. You, you would know more about that than oh, I. Yeah, but, uh, but, but we are on it. We are and, and we are unworthy. We are slightly unworthy. And you can join this illustrious company by giving us some money. That's all we ask. We're, we're very humble, really. Also, uh, the Bundle of Holding has a couple of interesting offers. Uh, we should say, as usual, um, we, we don't have to pay for these, uh, but but that's not conditional on, on our praising them. And, in fact, I'm not going to praise them particularly, but they are interesting. Uh, first, there's the world's largest dungeon and other things. Uh, yeah, basically um, pre-gen stuff, pre-gen tables, which we're going to be talking about later, uh, for D20, F20 games. But lots of maps and stuff as well. Lots and lots of maps and lots and lots of rooms. I know some people who've played this and they weren't actually all that impressed because there isn't, basically it feels very flat. There, yeah. there isn't really a this is this is this bit and this is that bit and they they feel different and then, obviously there are bits where particular monsters predominate but yeah um, the, it's the, not it's not heavily constructed on the mythological side but there's a lot of detailed room work and uh, yeah it, it's also been point, pointed things. out to me that um, since it came out there's been a lot more production from the from the uh, OSR side of things so so you've got Dwimmer Mount and the anomalous subsurface environment and Stonehell and Barrow Maze. Which all do have a bit more theme to them, mm. so yeah, it might be worth might be worth a look. It's also world's largest city and some other stuff. So, mm. and then yeah, corporation. All right, tell me about it. It's a cyberpunk game. Uh huh. And to me, the first thing that that has to say is why wouldn't you just do this in Cyberpunk 2020? Given that that has also recently been on a bundle of holding and was available and sold out, if you want chainsaw bayonets and and nano wire firing net guns, where where, where, you, where you roll to much. see how many limbs you sever, oh, but you also boy. want a system that gives you a stat modification when you put a shoulder strap on your gun. Blink. This is the system blink, for you. Blink. The horror. The horror. <laughs> It's 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 got some interesting ideas, but <laughs> I'm I'm just not sure what niche it fits now. If it had come out in 1990, yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I I, I, I get enough uh, I get enough living in a world where corporations are t- taking over and ruthlessly suppressing anybody who might um, who might stand in the way. I get I get enough of that in real life, honestly. Yeah. This is more more of a corporate cold war. Um, basically, if they're, if they're too blatant at going against each other, uh, the the big government will come down on them and, and um, bash them a bit. So so they so they have deniable agents who are the PCs. There, there's also an awful lot of stuff. I mean, each each book of supplemental equipment has a section on licenses. 
having licenses to do things is very important in this setting. Ah, uh, yeah. This is my basic problem with cyberpunk. It's it's the 1930s reinvented as a high-tech dystopia. And I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, you like that. Yeah, but but, but I don't want to live there. Well, quite well. I didn't have a choice about that. <laughs> but yeah, if if if, the, if the, I think I think I think that in both these cases, uh, Abraham Lincoln's fa- fa- famous saying can be applied. Those who like this sort of thing will find it to be the sort of thing that they like. Mm. Moving on to the sort of thing that we like. end of that particular adventure and your players, their characters have triumphed they have slain the dragon they have, they are standing in the mouth of the dragon's cave before them is a wealth of treasure such as as, as is beyond the dreams of Arthur Reese, he hasn't got very much imagination Arthur but you know and to, to, to put this in terms the barbarian can understand you can pay your bar tab and you can pay your bar tab tomorrow. It's possible you could buy a tavern. Now, there's lots of stuff here, and you're well set. So, um, and the players turn to you and say, what can we buy with this exactly? And you go, um, what do you do when they're in the money? When they're on top of the world, when they uh, have, have, well, very little reason to continue adventuring, but let's assume that they do. We should, I should say this at the top, if they say, I'm not going to adventure anymore, I am going to, um, I'm going to retire this character to his, to his nice country estate and raise uh, wear gerbils. So, if that's the thing that if happens, that's the thing, that's the that, that, that happens, that's the end of the campaign, and they're happy. Or at least for those characters. Yeah. So you, you go on and... and, and I'm going to go back to my village and marry my best girl. I think she'll probably have me because I now own the village. <laughs> and, and the man she's married in the meantime I can easily dispose of. But... What level is he? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's suppose they want to continue playing in the, in this world, but suddenly they are no longer the, um, the, the disreputable um, uh, scum... Uh, uh, sc- uh, uh, scum and, and villains that uh, we they have been so up to now, but are suddenly have at least resources to become uh, part of the ruling classes. What are you going to do about this? Well, I'd argue that, that, that you're missing something just in that All statement right, of it, on. because they are still disreputable scum. They're just disreputable scum with money. Okay. that what, is What they're not is an ancient family, unless they were before. Well, true. There is the... I, my, my, there is the character whose uh, motivation has always been to restore the family fortunes. And um, there is the character whose motivation has always been to, to prove that, show those fools, I'll show them the fools that laughed at me at the Institute. Now, if I say to you Silver Fork novels, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, this, this is a genre of literature that got started pretty much in the mid-19th century. Mm-hmm. Um in which, basically, the lives of the upper classes are, di- are discussed in detail. 
they are novels about the upper classes. Yeah. But they go into detail about the, the Silver Fork. Yeah. Which, to an actual member of the upper classes, would be so obvious as, as to go without saying. But these were not written for the upper classes. These were written for the middle classes who were aspiring to upper. Hmm. There's all this stuff that they don't know about... You know, assuming we're talking a standard vaguely medieval setting. Yeah. Wealth is... Uh, all right, you, you start to get guilds and merchants and things, but wealth is fundamentally a thing that goes to the nobility. And is lost by the nobility, but that's another story. When, um, when the king asks for it. Well, yeah, and so, the merchants cheat them out of it. So you've got the whole nouveau riche thing. You've got the whole, we've, we've got this, society has got this new group of people mm. who have money but don't know what to do with it in the sense that they don't know what their obligations are. Yeah. Well, the, I, I, the, I, the, I, the local nobility is going to say, Hmm. Would you like to buy an estate and, and become my, my become my vassal? You you can provide five knights for for thirty days a year, can't you? You are five knights. <laughs> well, I, I think I think that they there is a limit to the number of of players I know who would be fascinated to learn about about which silver fork to use and how. To the, take the thing the, is, nobody's going to take them very seriously. Well, they don't care. They are. So they can pay way over the odds for everything. How long does it take? How do you break this to them? And how long does it take? Eventually they might notice. Well, yeah. No, no, hang on. We're looking for fun things for them to continue to do. I mean, if you are. Okay, first first of all, if they want to carry on adventuring, they can just carry on adventuring. There's nothing to stop them doing that. Uh, But that's going to come back to a point I'm going to mention in a moment, which is kit. My picture of a dungeon bashing game is somewhat divergent from from ones I hear about these days because the, the standard in AD and D, which is where my dungeon bashing tastes were formed, mm. is that you don't really have magic shops. No. If you if you have a magic weapon, it is because you found it, not because you bought it. You cannot buy them. Yeah. You can occasionally sell them, which implies that there's somebody out there prepared to buy them off you and presumably sell them onto somebody else. But it's not a regular thing. Particularly mm. given the the cost of even a fairly low grade magic weapon, compared with what what people in a town have to spend, mm. is pretty minor. Um, I mean, in 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 a big city or where you've got a big communication network, you you might have some. It, it basically the equivalent of one, one the the Templar money network. Would say yeah. you know so, so, somebody in City X ha- has that has a uh, dancing sword. Does anybody want to buy it? Mm. And we will transport it for you. But yeah, that that that's a side note. Um, fundamentally, having lots of money doesn't help you in in this model of dungeon. Um, but Be- because you, you your magic is still basically what you found. Even if you can buy it, I'm not sure it helps a lot. I mean, it it, make, it makes things safer. That's not yeah, not not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but you, you still need your basic fighty skills to survive. A really lazy GM, and that might include me, might go for a rule which says there's only one magic item. Only one magic item of any sort, any particular sort, was made. There's only one plus one sword. There's only one plus two. There's only one dancing sword. They are mm. all individual, unique items, and therefore, why the hell are we entrusting them to this bu- bunch of bums and lunatics who go down holes in the ground? That's a really good question. Because they stop things coming up out of the holes in the ground. All right. So, hang, if you're, but if you're going to be, they want there to be 
magic item shoppies. And if there aren't magic item shoppies, there should be wizards who are willing to take money to create things. Well, in that case, surely it reduces to what to do when the party can win every fight. Hmm. Which is stop winning a game that's about winning the fight. Yeah, you've got to... Yes, that is the problem. I am not good at judging the... Uh, and I'll come back to this in the second part of this uh, of this podcast. I am not good at judging the long-term effects of a particular thing on the dynamics of the game. Um, I want to say yes to them, because um, having uh, built up the, the treasure as the thing to get, you don't want to nerf it too much. You don't want to make it it wasn't worth going after. I think it, it really, really depends on what the players want from the game. I mean, at a meta game level. Okay. Do they do they want to keep bashing dungeons? Mm. Fine. And and you could you could even say, well, look, if 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 you're going down with with, with your enchanted steamroller, it's not going to be a lot of fun to play. Mm. True. Um. I, if, I, if, if, it, if, if it's they, more if it, of what I think of as a role playing game, then then maybe they might want want to move into adventure of broking. You know. Um, here, here uh, farm boy, have, have some vaguely decent kit that gives you a slightly better chance of surviving. We'll, we'll, we'll pay you up with, with, with an acolyte and, and uh, so on, and uh, you, you can go off and hey, good luck. Uh, yeah, where's the where's the, where, uh, the the franchising of adventuring is is, is a bold and forward looking um, idea, but I'm not quite sure where I where I get to play, make the players' lives com- complicated with it. Um, maybe uh, I mean it could work for once. Maybe if the first time they do it and they lose somebody, he turns out to be the heir to a kingdom and people are annoyed with them. But for each thing they, they try to do, there's got to be a risk. And I'm not sure that that, uh, that, that sound, franchising sounds almost like a risk-free um, um, enterprise as long as there are enough suckers about. Well, once it gets big enough anyway. Well, yeah, and the, the the point is that it gets big enough that if, if say one one third of your parties don't come back, you still make the profit back on the other two thirds. I believe this is how franchising works in the catering trade. Yeah. Um, well, in that case, you you actually have to take franchises away from people. In this case, you have orcs to do that for you. Hmm. <laughs> the uh, is it inevitable that suddenly becoming wealthy makes a shift in the focus? Of the game. Well, I don't think so. And as, as I say, if 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 what I enjoy is going down a dungeon, I'm just thinking of this in in, in mm. character terms. From yeah, if, if you know, I, I'm going down this dungeon for a reason, and and if that reason was not to make enough money to buy back the family farm, mm. then it still applies when I have money. Maybe for that matter, I I do that. That was my reason, but I've got enough money to do that. But I found I actually kind of like this. And yeah, I, I go back. I go back and I and I um, buy back the farm, and uh, and six months later, I'm really bored. Yeah, with with all these people who who have never gone outside the village in their lives. Whose it, idea of excitement is the cow having a calf, mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, and it can talk for talk for days uh, about who's pregnant by who. And that's just among the cows. Well, yes. The uh, yeah, there, there's also the, the the story which is slightly different about the retired adventurer who uh, gets called back for just one more job. But you're not talking about that. You're, no, you're that, t- that, that's not so much the ongoing campaign, unless everybody retires and comes back at the same time. No. 
Really? Well, we've talked about uh, that style before, I think. I think you... uh, Yeah, your problem is upping the game without destroying its, its essential nature. Making them... There is a step to be taken from heroic to legendary, mm. to uh, to the to the to the stage at which characters are no are no longer acting on quite the same plane when they they're going up against gods and things like that. But even that comes with a problem of inflation. Um, all right, let's let's go well, back. Yeah, the, I I think inflation can be interesting if if it's a qualitative one. Mm. Um, when when I played D&D uh, 3.5 um, it, it was a the 9B campaign setting so basically um, Fantasy Africa Yeah, uh, I, d- I don't know enough about Africa to say which bit but I'm told it was quite well researched um, but the thing, the thing that struck me mechanically was it's always set up so that you basically have to have to roll a 12 or more or yeah, yeah. You, you gain a level and you get a plus one and the system assumes that it, that it, it will now be throwing monsters at you that also get a plus one. Mm. The the odds essentially stay the same and, and now now I'm adding ten rather than three but the monster is also adding ten rather than three and that that is inflation which is not, not useful. That, that is just changing the numbers. Yeah. Whereas if you start to say, well, okay, just hitting it isn't going to do it because... Whatever, whatever your your game mechanics say, you you start needing to get clever. Um, you know, you, you start you start needing to get uh, you start seeing monsters with mind controls that you need mental defences against. Monsters who can warp reality, and yeah. you and you need to get get subtle and and cunning on them. Yeah, um, that that's that that's one way to do. It. I'm not sure how we tie the the treasure. Into this, because the treasure has to have a function. Well, I, th- I think the answer is, is simply what do they want to do with it? You know, mm. Many things become easier when you have lots of money. What what the objectives that re- that wanted them to have lots of money? Mm. Some of those are now doable, trivially. Some of those are now doable with difficulty, which generates adventure. Yeah. How how do you if if they want to get involved in politics, that will drain their coffers almost instantly, which is great. Actually, um, what, what I'm thinking is a, is a prime way to spend this money is to go to the, is to found your own countries to find a, a distant island or a, a distant coastline and go, and go and build that colony and run things the way you mean mean them to be run the right way, guards, damn it! Mm-hmm. And uh, that that will absorb a huge amount of money, uh, both in. Um, uh, are both in getting permissions if permissions needed and outfitting yourselves and it would you are now entering Paradisia brackets a lawful good kingdom <laughs> yeah uh, your thoughts are being monitored for your health and safety <laughs> <laughs> and ours yeah the uh, and the tensions of that doing it it's it re- returns it to a Wild West setting, um, but in a very expensive and more expansive way, and you're responsible for more people, which is good. <coughs> and yeah. you're not having to know what which goddamn silver fork you're supposed to use with this type of quail. And the qualitative change, it seems to me, is that 
no matter how good an adventurer you are, there are simply going to be too many things that you have to deal with. So if the players want to, and if the GM wants to, you can then bring in some of the administrative side. So yes, um, I, I, I can marmalize any, any single horde of monsters, but there are now three hordes of monsters. Which one do we deal with first? Which one do I leave the town with the militia uh, and uh, and hope that we can kill it fast before the other two get to the town and the women and old folk we've left behind with crossbows get overrun? Even if one of them does does have my um, plus 17 crossbow of Neeming. They still have to hit with it. It's a plus 17 crossbow. That's not just damage, is it? That's, that's <laughs> accuracy, isn't it? It's been a long time to play D&D, those of you who care about these technicalities. The, yeah, I think, I think, I think that going up, the, the, there's a certain limited amount of fun to be got out of social snobbery. But why did Conan retire? When did he stop being, you know, the world-conquering um, barbarian national... Because he'd conquered a kingdom, as far as I remember. Yeah, and he decided, and, no, and nobody, nobody else was going to, was going to run it without uh, screwing things up horribly. Yeah. So, so hang on. Well, that that is the ending of a different saga. Then that is the ending of having uh, having of having crossed the kingdom and overthrown the the evil king, and everybody's seen what you can do, and nobody's going to tell you which down silver fork to use with the quail. <laughs> the one sticking out of the vizier's eye. Well, yeah, they, they don't make those things aerodynamically stable. You can't throw them properly. <clears throat> All right. It, it seems to me that a lot of this is is motivations, really. True. Um, and I, I was guilty of this as anybody else. Uh, when I, in, in my dungeon bashing days, I didn't really worry too much about motivations. And there, there is a dungeon you bash it. That's what they're for. Yeah. Um, but in a, in a in a more modern game, uh, I think that's a thing you can reasonably ask players to think about. Why are you doing this? It, 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 it's dangerous. Do you have no alternatives? Um, is it better than your alternatives? Do you, do you feel you, you need to be doing this for some reason? And so on. Duty, duty must be done. The rule applies to everyone. In which case, they they might might well decide. Well, I'll send most of this most of this money back back to the uh, wizards guild. Or, or, or the church can give it to the deserving poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that works perfectly There's well. Very, very poor bishops out there. Mm. <laughs> you don't you diss on the on the poor bishops? They're doing their best. Um, the yeah the the the, the, this, the problem I think that you look at when this happens is that it's potentially something that can change the. The definition of, of of the of the game and where you were having fun to begin with, but I, I don't see that as a problem. Hmm. Okay, I think I, I yeah, I, maybe maybe I, I maybe I did. You, you, your players have thought far enough that they think well, it would be good to go down in the ground, kill the dragon, and take its treasure. Once they've got its treasure, they've got to think deeper about their characters. That they've been. I I, th- I think the basic approach here would, would be um, your, your, your simple option is okay you've won you know you've done what you wanted to achieve mm-hmm. you now go home and live a life of debauchery I mean luxury um, debauchery is more exhausting than luxury let, let's let's start a new game or let's retire the characters who want to retire 
and and the ones who do still want to do it can you can can uh, team up with a bunch of replacements. Yeah, but uh, we're assuming yeah. If they want to return, that's that, that's fine. If the game is then over, then that's fine. But it's when they look at you and say, "What are we going to do next week?" that you then have a problem. What we what's going to happen in this setting next week is is, is then a problem. You can always take money away from them. Yeah, well, they, they will instantly grow a corona of hangers-on and scammers and, and all the and, rest of and, it. And less successful parties who are going to ambush them on the way back to the bank. Spare us a few coppers for a healing potion, Guff. <sighs> I, uh, no, no, no idea, chap. Here, have this spare wand of, of healing plus 15, which I, I happen to have found no use for. It's a wand of wonder, isn't it? What was the wand of wonder? The one that does something random and usually unhelpful. Mm. There's always one of those, Gov. But the the one I suppose the wand of wonder looks like any other wand until you start pointing it at people. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's not like the the damn books and and decks and many things. You, there, there are certain sorts of player who, who like this sort of thing. I've heard of at least one case of six of them in a Gatling arrangement. Foom. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I, 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 I feel that if I'm going to give the players the things that they want, what I, I found has worked occasionally, and my players may feel it's, it's unfair, is to sit them down with a wizard and the, and the wizard would say, well, what mighty magical item would you like to commission, oh, rich and recently elevated lord? And then so let, let's talk about adequate user specification for a major major technical project. Shall yeah, we? that is important. Fact the lesson that this is intended <laughs> to learn. I get I get to hear their <coughs> fantasies, and I then get to sit back and think. In fact, the next words that come out of my mouth are usually, "Well, I can do that for you, sort of." Um, there are one or two small difficulties, sir, um, and, and depending on how how mean I'm feeling. The small difficulties can ra- range from um, uh, from not doing quite the thing that you want it to, or to ending the universe. You know, I, fe- I feel I-, I feel that yeah, learning the lesson of how to commission magic items. On the other hand, then you get the players looking very hard at the rules on enchantment and magical items and saying, why can't I do this? They're always cleverer than me in this. Mm. But, you know, that, that that just becomes a power creep thing, and power creep things are soluble. Mm. How? Reminders. Well, as far as I'm concerned, you, you, you make it not about the power. You, you make the game about the people, which is always, to me, more interesting anyway. Yeah. On the other hand... On the other hand um um, problems of the very rich people are no less interesting than problems of the very poor, poor people. Mm. They're different. True. And they're better upholstered. And they have have wider social consequences. It's true. Um, but on the, the other hand, there comes a point at which your uh, your mighty barbarian conqueror, even if he isn't Conan, is going to say, fuck it. And try throwing the uh, the silver fork through the nose of the arch chancellor, mm-hmm. and um, and and there's a certain 
pleasure in that. Yes. But it doesn't allow the high, upper class... It doesn't last, I suspect. Yeah. But, you know... And that, that, that you, really, you do, really do have the whole rise of the middle class thing. Um, the aristocracy ha- has no interest in this person. On the other hand, he's got money mm. and power. Um, and so you, you, you see, how are they going to accommodate to this? Uh, what one thing that occurs to me is that they're going to uh, get grow a layer of middlemen who don't look as if they're working for the aristocracy, mm. but what want our want our hero to do the things that the aristocracy wants for some other entirely legitimate reason, and so on. I mean, yeah, this is this is turning into um, what do you get for the man stroke woman stroke centaur who has everything. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the problem you're posing me. Yeah, it's true. And, uh, and, and I think, I think part of the problem is. Antibiotics, be... I believe, is the canonical answer. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> I think the problem may be that, that in order to give them something they don't already have, you have to change what they want and. Or at least find out what they want. Right. And if, right. if if they if they are happy uh, lying in their bathtub full of gold pieces all day, well, that's that's going to be damned uncomfortable. Yeah, you might uh, even gold powder, which is would be sort of semi liquid, will, will get places. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you do not want to discover. No, no, I, I don't want to think about that. I really don't want to. My, think my about own experiences of, of of glitter in my beard. Uh, which I put in for one party and, fa- and found traces of when I moved out of the house eight years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not combing enough, obviously. Oh, it wasn't in the beard eight years later, but oh, it was right. in the house. It gets everywhere. Um, yes, I, I think... I've started games where, from the start... Uh, player characters are the leaders of their group. They're in charge of their particular part of the world. Not necessarily on a vast scale. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure the higher aristocracy are more interesting than the lower aristocracy, who are more in contact with the people they are actually responsible for. I'm reminded of the way U.S. Air Force people told me the best rank to be is a colonel. Because if you're a colonel, that's the highest rank that is still allowed actually to fly. True. They have to work at it, but they're allowed to. Anything above that is just not. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah no, let, let the pilot do his job, General. Let the pilot do his job. The, uh... But I think some of this is quantized as well. I mean, you, you've got enough money to make you, give you a comfortable retirement. Yeah. But what about all your mates? Um well, if you, yes. if, if, you, if you are not a murder hobo and you actually have mates, which, as far as I'm concerned, makes for a more interesting game anyway. Yeah. Um, there is there is charity to your to yourself and charity to your friends, and the or or, or in a slightly different game, your tribe. Well, yep. You know, um, the, the the money I need to be comfortable for the rest of my life is probably still substantially less than the money I need to stop my village starving every winter. Mm. But. Yeah, but and there, and I was going to say, there's money for you, for your yourself, money for your friends, money for the good causes, and money for the people who come round who, who think you've still got some money left. <laughs> and it's not and maybe I just want to wipe out the Assassin's Guild. That is going to take a lot of money. <sighs> no, that's going to take a 
Well, actually, how would you? And, and also of politicking. Well, yeah, making them. Uh, well, making them are already dead illegal. Is, 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 hmm. Making them dead is is harder. Than, is is that harder than making them outlawed? I suspect the the thing that would actually work is making them unprofitable. So providing cut rate death then. Mm, or um, I don't I don't go, think that's go, actually go, an improvement. You know, go 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 after the clients. So you 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 hired an assassin. Uh, your life is now going to be hell. Ah, uh, proving it. That's the. Truth saying spells, etc. Point, actually, that's rather good. How do you close down the Assassin's Guild? Why have you You, decided- you don't do I mean, it on, you don't do it just with a with a cubic meter of gold. Why have you decided to close down the Assassin's Guild? Is this a personal thing? Or are you actually genuinely concerned for the future of the nation? You don't like what they do to politics. It's like throwing um yeah. It's, uh, things have stepped up from throwing milkshakes over people, and 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 now it's it's, it's death on the streets, and you've got to stop that. Mm. You throw milkshakes over the lactose intolerant. That's an assassin's trick. That is. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, getting rid of the assassins guild. Might write it down somewhere. That's that's a campaign, sometime in the future. Realistic settings, on the other hand, um, tend to have the assassins. As already very illegal and um, uh, and as hidden as they can make themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Uh, yeah, but presumably murder customers, for hire, have, murder customers for hire have to find ha- them. Murder for hire has happened in the real world, but has been for very rare and strange circumstances. Well, yeah, you, you you have the same thing that um, a, a book we've both read recently about financial frauds make, makes the point that mm. stamping out all the fraud. Is actually not the optimum approach to take. Yeah, because the cost of stamping out that that last little bit of it is, is ra- so much higher than you would lose to that last little bit of it. There is a break-even point somewhere. Well, actually, I think it's more it's more than that. In order to bre- stamp out the last bit, little bit of fraud, you have to make people so untrusting that that's of, part of the cost. That's part of the cost. Sorry, I'm an economist. Uh, all right, fine. Well, I I, th- I think of 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 moral damage. More than financial damage, I hope. But I, I, I see what you mean. Uh, it's not not a very quantifiable cost, except maybe on on large macroeconomic scales. But, but I, th- I think you, you might find something similar happened here. That it that it's actually better, or it comes to be realised that it's better to have a small and re- reasonably well behaved assassins guild than to have none at all. I am far... which, which would be an amusing twist. Ah. <laughs> I'm far from convinced of that. I would also like to to mention the uh, psychological effect that decades of being told there's always one more welfare cheat you can go after has had upon um, public politeness and discourse. Mm -hmm. But that is perhaps a little more political than we actually want to be. I I think, all right, we've got a number of, of options for when they become rich. One, take it away from them. Taxes, theft... That, that, that's boring but doable. Yeah. That's boring but doable. Two, give them uh, give them lots of bling, but be very careful about the quality of the bling. Uh, three, give them a big, large-scale project. Not something they're obliged to do, but something they would enjoy 
mm. doing. I mean, let's let's be uh, let's be frank. Um, and what was the other thing? Or just let let them keep it and retire if that's what they want to do. Yeah. Mm. Or just wind it all up with that with uh, happy en- happy endings and, and funerals for the fallen, and uh, and you know. Um, uh, and, and long, slow uh, sun, summer sunset uh, closing shots of uh, of happy farms and happy castles, and uh, and all that sort of thing. And somewhere off in the distance, I've discovered how to become a star. Gosh! Please do not do that experiment. Where <laughs> within within several light years of home. Thank you. Onward. Let me take a step backwards from our previous um, item to the point where you're the GM and you're sitting down and you're designing the treasure that they're going to find. This doesn't have to be the big final treasure, um, but it is a substantial. It's not. It's not just a few coppers in the pockets of uh, uh, of dead orcs. It's a substantial find of something valuable. And I have to admit, all things considered, I am utterly crap at this. So I do have a, a fairly improvisatory style. I found myself at the end of an, of an evening session with them having what, an alleged room full of treasure, which I haven't planned at all. It's fine at the end of the session, because then I can do the work before next time. Uh, it's when it, it happens uh, half an hour before the end that things start getting embarrassing. It's a 20 by 20 by 10 foot lump of solid gold. Your move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's... that's That not only begs the question, how did they get it into the room? They cast it in place, obviously. But why? Art. I was thinking more uh, mana dampener, but yeah, mm-hmm. you got a point. Uh, to, to stop the reactor from going critical. Yes, and when you take it away, you're going to discover my teeth, are, teeth and hair are falling out. <laughs> but anyway, but but anyway, <coughs> and what I really, really want, um, just at the moment, just at those moments when I find myself with a need to outline treasure, is a means of automating the process of getting the. Um, of getting inspiration and some sort of sense of the reality of the thing out of a set of random dice rolls or a set of decisions which are pre-set and pre-generated. Now, the odds are I'm never going to complete this project, but it would be a good thing to do it, and it would be a good thing for me to have. Well, I've seen things that work along these rough lines. Hmm. Um, I mean, st- starting in my case with, with the uh, AD&D treasure generator you, you've got your monster has treasure type t or whatever yeah and from there you can say okay it's got this much gold this much silver this much chance of a magic item yeah you and obviously uh, pe- people have uh, encoded that and and i i'm it's it's not a thing i have links for but i've certainly seen websites where you basically say okay what the treasure be worth about this much and it will spit out the details yeah i i well yeah yeah except that that um encodes the assumptions of one game system and one peculiar sort of a world. Yeah. I think one of my problems... But, but can, is it even possible to do one without that? I mean, hmm. whether there are magic items and how common they are is an assumption of a world. Yeah, uh, but 
there ought to be a means of tweaking the the knobs and adjusting the uh, uh, adjusting the uh, the the parameters. One of my problem, I, I in my head this is laid out something like the uh, random character generators and other random things for rain. You roll a bunch of dice. The bigger the bunch of dice, the bigger the treasure. Um, and um, you look for matches, which give you sets of um, different types of treasure. And the singletons produce odd things. Now, what I uh, what my problem is here partly is that all the um, all the material wealth. All the uh, all the, all the, the the coins and the gems and what have have you is all is all miscable. It all it all boils down to cash on on the barrel. Fungible, even is that what I meant? Fungible. He's an economist, folks. Uh, he knows in, what in, he's talking about. I don't. If 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 we say that I don't know, mineral water is fungible, it means that this bottle over here is just as good as that bottle over there. Yeah. Well, uh, what, uh, what or I'm cash is the is the obvious example of uh, fungible. Uh, uh, what I'm saying is it may. Yeah. If I if I had him in reality, I'd go ooh, it's a big red ruby. But in my accounting as a as a game master, it's just oh, that's wealth twenty, or that's wealth four, or whatever it is, mm. on whatever scale we are at. I don't have in my mind that many uh, categories of wealth that I can roll a d d ten at it. So, what are the sorts of wealth, and what are the sorts of treasure? Well, okay. So, start with the obvious. You can convert it into cash fairly readily. Oh, you, you might. Yeah, yeah. Well, hang on, hang on. I have a category category marked cash. I could even. But that's jump... not what I said. Okay. You can convert it. Okay, all right, let's start with level zero is cash. Level one is you convert it into cash fairly readily. It is it is not your actual negotiable coin of the realm. But it's... But, but it's something which has a generally agreed upon value. It might, it might be coin of the next realm. Yeah. Or ancient coin. Ancient coin is good. But yeah. the, as far as I'm concerned, the, the entire point of this exercise is to turn treasure into an adventuring opportunity. Good point. So, yes, flavour is what we want to pour into into the account. It's ancient coin, and you can sell it for its weight in silver. But if you go over here, where 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 the, where the university is, yeah, you can sell it for way more than that because they don't have this particular minting. Or maybe they don't. Who knows? Mm. Um, and similarly with gems. I mean, a gem can be worth a certain amount. Uh, or maybe, maybe you want to take a chance on a young gemsmith who might make it worth more but might screw it up horribly, or maybe it's a useful magical component. Yeah, that's, that's always a good one. Um, I, there are there, there's a reason traits. I use the decanic modifiers from uh, originally from GURPS Cabal, now in GURPS Thaumatology. Be it, because there are 36 of them, and practically anything can be yeah, fitted yeah. into them somewhere. Uh, including, I seem to recall, cinnamon chewing gum. Some sort of wizard somewhere. Will will want whatever it is you found. Uh huh. All right. There's Cause, a, there's, it, it's a universal of magic that more expensive things are more useful for magic. Yeah, and uh, that. Uh, well, it's a universal of of, of games that uh, if you charge them more, they'll value it more. Um, games, <laughs> including economics. All right. The uh, there's all right now. Now we're we're starting to fly. There's things like um, cultural items, uh, books. These don't have to be valuable. Statues, pieces of uh, of jewellery mm -hmm. uh, can be uh, can be worked. But all of this, all of this, is 
it's heavily flavoured, but it uh, but it's terribly mundane. The tricky part is when you want to generate a magic item without having to think about it too much. And I'm not quite sure how to do this. Um, I'm sort of tempted to take the non-matching dice and say each of them generates a word that describes um, the magic a magic item. And you put them all together and create one or more magical items that... Um, that can do things. Mm-hmm. A wand of blasting, a sword of cold, a armor of insubstantiality. There, there's there's a limit to mm-hmm. how well this table can work, but I think you could, um, if you wanted to do the work really hard, um, have a have a list of uh, new words to be fed into the system, so that each word only gets used once. Yep. That's for quite rare <coughs> well, if, magic if, items for for unique magic items. If if you're using if you're doing this uh, with a computer rather than dice and tables, then that's easy. Mm. You just add add it to the list or remove it from the list. If you're doing it with tables, it's not that bad because you you just um, delete it when you've used it and replace it with something else. All right. Uh, you could do worse, I think, than look at some of the GURPS Dungeon Fantasy stuff. Um, one of the supplements is specifically about generating treasures. Okay, I haven't got to that one yet. Uh, and there, there are one or two that are specifically about treasures won, glittering prizes. Yeah, there, there have been two specific um, ones about tre- about treasures. All right, I should have done that research. As well as the one that's just called treasures. It, it, it's definitely there. All right. And, and probably your players haven't read it. <laughs> we, we may hope. Uh, treasures 2 was Epic Treasures, which is less useful for random generation. It basically lists specific things. Hmm. That but, ought but to it's be... still interesting. All right. Having outlined a solution, possibly, to this one problem, what are the other things we could automate? Uh, the things we don't actually like doing or we don't do often enough, but which ought to... which will jar if they're not done properly. Um, are there other things we can... Well, we can, can can one leave them out? I can't. I mean, I'm not interested in generating random treasure, but I don't put, I don't need random treasure in my games. What are you giving to the dungeon? You're not doing dungeon bashes. I'm not generally doing dungeon bashes. All right, well, I, I may well be doing this again at some point, but, and, and I haven't worked out the details of how it's going to work. All but, right, what but, are the so, you know, it, it, I, It's much more likely to be a finger bone of a saint. Hmm. Yeah, true. Which, yeah, you can sell for a lot of money. But on the other hand, if you find but on the other hand, it's prote- protecting you against the hordes of uh, of hell and giving you a slight in with God. Well, in this particular case, it 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 it, it, it makes sure your your flower never gets weevils. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a very major saint. Well, do, honestly, do you know honestly, do you know the occult, honestly, sig- occult significance of Stonehenge as understood at the turn of the twentieth century? Um. Uh, a chip from one of the stones would rid your well of frogs. What were were well frog bef- be- befouled wells a common problem? Presumably. Um, it's a wonder it hasn't been chipped away more than it has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I can't, Im- I can't imagine Merlin was thinking. Well, this, this has got rid of the frog problem as he marched those sarsens <laughs> across from Wales. Or was it Wales he, 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 he moved the, the ingredients from? I think so. 
Oh dear me! But yeah, the, the, that that's the sort of that that is flavorful treasure, as far as that's I'm concerned. That's true. Yeah, your, your holy relics and the the dungeon I'm vaguely thinking about is based based on that um, turbulent 14th century distant mirror. Yeah. Uh, so it. A lot of things will be valuable insofar as they allow you to carry favour with the rich, powerful, and whimsical. Mm. Cash in quickly before they change their minds. Well, actually, I, I don't. I, I think going around looking for a supply of stupid noblemen is. Uh, well, you're going to exhaust it. The word gets around, you know. Uh, <laughs> maybe you want to change kingdoms after each con. But I, I actually, I think it's more interesting if you find things that you want to use. Yeah. Never mind, my, never mind. I mean, all right, if you you're about to retire to that uh, uh, to that manor that we mentioned that earlier, then the, then the weevil pretension is is clearly a plus. But um, I think if you want the finger bone of a saint, then I think you probably want one that will fit inside your, the hilt of your sword mm-hmm. and help you smite evildoers. Honestly, I do. I think. Hmm. There is one thing to be said about ancient magic and unfamiliar and rare stuff is that it's easier to trap for the player's discomfiture, mm. um, which is not necessarily a thing that you want to do. It, it's also a, a thing that you can suddenly discover has multiple uses which you don't really understand. But I strongly recommend that the, uh, that the GM has a clear idea of what it is and where it came from. I've read an article somewhere in which the um, writer was saying, rather than upgrade your sword each time you find a new one, uh, the way he'd set things up was, you you can unlock more powers of the sword as you get stronger. Yeah, I think so, that's... So it is, uh, it's, it is still your sword that you made your legend with. I think it's a 13th age thing, I could be wrong. But yeah, you, you, you get to be more the master of the sword, you... you Increases your skill in wielding uh, flamberge or whatever it's called. Yes, but also it 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 has more options you can do. Yeah. You know, now 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 I can make it catch fire on demand. That sort of thing. Mm. There was a, r- a very good uh, Oglaf recently, which man standing there going, "Beware my, my my sword!" He goes, "Click, click, click, click." It's a flaming sword, really. Click, click, mm. click. Eventually it goes on. Um, where was I? Right, what I was trying to get to was, Roger, don't you have tasks that you would like similarly automated out of the way? Things you know that you're not good at. That you uh, Things you... I, I try to avoid having to do them at all. I, I am fundamentally lazy. Uh, the closest I come, actually... I, I'm uh, lazy, because, but I'm over-ambitious. Um, NPC personalities. Yeah. Quite. Uh, I, I have some random generators that more, more or less give give prose-ish results, mm. uh, but quite often I, I will think, okay, and I need somebody to fit into this role, you know, the person who is doing this. Yeah. And I will run off five or ten and say, oh, that one looks interesting. Mm. I, I I think it's very important. Uh, to... That's also the use for the random gate guard you have just run into. Um, yeah, but uh, you, you're familiar with how to make uh, good decisions using a coin. Make your decision in advance, and then um... no, you, you, if if you can't decide, you you flip the coin and yeah, assign the things one to one to each side. And if if you if you see the result and say, well, best of three, then it's the other one. Then All you've right. made your decision. Yeah, I uh, I 
Yeah, I, and, and uh, similarly, um, while I've no objection to a well-written table where they've got the probabilities right, uh, I've I generally find I feel myself absolutely free to choose from what seems interesting at the time. Well, that that yeah. in itself can can spark some ideas of what what happens if I combine this with that for the person in this role. I would tend to favour um, I would tend to favour uh, drawing a tarot card or two to yep. uh, flavour. Um, uh, suddenly aware NPC if I haven't have a Damn, time. Damn, I was going to write that, wasn't I? Well, what? Wait, wait, when? I, I, I've, I'm sure I, I said I was going to write a um, tarot card-based NPC generation system. Oh, God. Don't just sit there, Matt. Well, do sit there for now. We're not quite finished. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but, yeah, it would, it, it would work. Depending on all, all sorts of... There's a good, uh, a good book about the tarot will give you all sorts of resonances and suggestions and ideas. Um, yeah, my, that's my, what my, tarot my, is there for. My vague idea is is to start start from that and then flavour it into a role playing sort of sense. Mm. Um, th- this this is the sort of slot that this person would canonically be expected to fit into. Mm. Um, it's a pity he's a gate guard. He re- he really ought to be out painting frescoes. And this is the sort of thing they'll be very bad at. Yeah. Uh, well, well, that at least t- tells you that if you can start a conversation about, it doesn't tell the player characters, but it start, tells the GM that if you start a conversation about about frescoes with him, he isn't going to be paying attention to what you're sneaking past. Yeah. All right. We're we're not Robert Holmes. We we don't assume that every security guard will actually have a degree in philosophy. But well, where the hell else do you think they end up? <laughs> I was a security guard for for a while. I was a very bad security guard. Uh, and eventually they found me sleeping on the job. <sighs> that wasn't the worst part of me being a security guard. You're supposed to learn to sleep with your eyes open. You're supposed to uh, learn to fall asleep where the where you can't be observed from the front door. That too. I was just that knackered. Twelve-hour shifts do it to me. Mm. I th- I think there are more things that we could plan in advance. And which we could use, but what I think is necessary for each GM is to know their weak spots. Is yeah, to, is the the thing that I sometimes mean to do, and I, and I ought to look at new ways of doing it, mm-hmm. is to have a bunch of NPCs, um, not not just personalities, but also names. Yeah, well, ready names to, are vital. ready to go because the players will always want to talk to someone I hadn't expected them to want to talk to. It's true. And you want the names to feel right for the setting and mm-hmm. not uh, and not ludicrous. Um, and yeah, uh, but you don't. You want a list of names. You want things something you can pick out of that's going to feel right or comically wrong for this particular person. Um, and that is something that you need, unless unless you're doing it in modern day Earth or in a bit of Earth's history that you know well enough to vamp with, then you need a list. Mm. You need it ready. And you need, actually, even in the modern day, you might well need a list so that you can cross off the ones that you've used. Games set in the 20th century US are really uh, have a real advantage here because you can check the US census and find the most popular birth names in a given year. So, if you know, I'm running a game in 1960, and my character is 40 years old, mm-hmm. I, can, I can look up the twi- what people were being christened yeah. in 1920. Yeah. Um, and 
On the other hand, the peculiar American habit of of turning surnames into four four names is very flavorful and tells you exactly where you are. Mm. It does feel 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 uh, peculiar that they honor people that way. I know the Brits do it as well, but not quite as frequently. It still feels odd, largely. Um, and town names are becoming personal names as well, mm. which we got done some time ago. Um, we don't seem to do as much nowadays. Nowadays, we name them after a popular fictional character, apparently. Mm. All right. You don't think there is a great wave of potential here for automating well, processes? <laughs> All right, I know it's, it's a it's lot of work. The, the, the basic division, the division I, I make, I think, is, is um, either it's a thing I enjoy doing, and I, and I do enjoy preparing for games yeah. in general, or it's a thing I can leave out because I don't enjoy it. Because, let's face it, I'm not being paid for this. Uh, yeah, but... The, and and that, that then flavours the sort of game I run. Yeah, but I... I, I well, it's, I run a, a more improvised style of, of um, adventuring where... I'm going to make things up at the last moment, and they're going to—they can—they can can find themselves in conflict with the dragon, which I hadn't known existed at the start of the session. Hmm. And I need ways to cover for my players looking at me and saying, "Well, what's in the treasure then?" Or the equivalent for uh, any other uh, thing that I have. My 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 reach, my reach exceeds my grasp almost invariably. And I need to learn to um, have means to uh, uh, to answer the questions I hadn't anticipated answering. Well, you can you can always fall back on the basics. It's a book. It's some guy Al Azrad or something of that sort. It's a book. It's um, it's not in a language you recognise, but some of the diagrams are interesting. <laughs> it's a book. Um, what harm could come from reading it? Yeah. It's a nice, friendly book. In fact, it seems to be slightly warm. Mm. And it's got a nice... Um, you're not quite sure what that sort of um, leather covering is. Anthropodermic bibliopagy. Has, there's a Wikipedia page on it. Bibliography? What was that? Bibliopagy. Bibliop- that's just bookbinding. Thank you. Another word. I'm not likely. I'm going to remember that. Oh, no, I'm quite no. surprised I did. Uh, all right. I I feel that there are. There, there, there are. I think we should mention there. There are an awful lot of generators out there. It's true. Some of them are. All right. A lot of them are pretty are pretty crap. They solve the problem for one particular type of game. Yeah, and, and if that's all, the sort of game you're running, that's great. Well, yeah, but it's not. I I feel there ought to be a general. Guidelines, set of ways of doing such tasks that could be applied to all sorts of games. But um, I think they may require strong AI. Uh, I I haven't even got strong eye at the moment. But uh, uh, but I I, yeah, I I see what you mean. Um, I'm sort of reluctant to. Uh, to turn it over to the machines, but um, on the other hand, uh, I'm not desperately impressed with what the human race is coming up with at the moment. Mm. All right. Have we squeezed the juice out of this? I think so. Um, All right. 
I will go back and start writing categories for rolling d10s at and see if anything springs to mind. Don't um, don't hang on for. I'm liable to, to to run into my laziness somewhere along the way. Well, if you if you feel the right sort of lazy, you can always write write up the categories, and I can convert this into an automatic generator. I do not believe this is going to work that easily. <laughs> anyway. To the next thing, which is an experiment. This is our first actual play segment, and we've chosen Cthulhu Confidential by Pograme Press, uh, available at all good uh, game stores and at their website, because it only involves the one GM and one player, and there's only the two of us. We're going to be playing the adventure called The Fathomless Sleep, um, from the core book of Cthulhu Confidential. So please, if you ever want to be the player in this situation, do stop listening now. Awuga, awuga, spoilers. Can we get a better spoiler noise than that? Maybe. Depends on how generous our, our, our donors are. Oh, come on, they're all... Never mind. Let's begin with setup. I'm afraid the character sheet here somewhat breaks your... Uh, one uh, one side of A4 per character rule. For most of it, that is the a picture of Dex Raymond. That is, yeah, okay. He's a private eye. Two slugs in him. One was lead, the other was bourbon. Got it. Um, that is um, some background on Dex Raymond, and that is all his stats that you need. Um, he has a number of friends um, who are here as characters um, and they have a num some abilities that he doesn't have if, um, if you need any sort of specialised knowledge um, from uh, the, that your character uh, doesn't have. There's a list there of what Dex knows and what his friends know. Just because I'm completist, there's a quick rules reference. And how to investigate things. Those are your pushes. You'll spend those for advantages later on. Okay. For more information or to get out of messes, they have a number of uses. Now, looking at your character and at the quick rules reference, you'll see that the, uh, the game's... The character's uh, defining skills come in two sorts. Investigative abilities, which allow you to gather information, and um, general abilities. Now, investigative abilities, sometimes you can spend your push to get additional benefits, more information that won't be available um, unless you spend that very limited resource. That's basically one per investigative ability. No, sorry, that's these these pushes. Yeah. So it's basically you've got four to, la to last the game. I think there are circumstances where you might get more, but we'll come to those when we come to them. In general, abil general abilities, 
determine when you succeed or fail. There's a, uh, and a test of those is called a challenge. The only number target number you will know about a challenge is the one which gives you an advance, the best possible result. Um, a hold is an okay or middling result and may bring some problems. A setback um, means that something bad happens. There's always a chance of something bad happening. Mm-hmm. On an advance, you may well gain an edge, an advantage, temporary or permanent, which you can use later on to boost particular challenges or sometimes to uh, to solve more general problems. On a setback, you will often gain a problem which represents um, a difficulty. Now, you can counter them by various means, which I'll go into as we go, but basically you're going to be spending time away from uh, the investigation, and during that time complications may arise because you've neglected what you need to do and the bad guys have time to react. Okay? Mm-hmm. On each challenge, you have... Uh, is rated for the number of dice you have, one or two. It says, for reasons that I don't understand, that you, you should roll the dice individually because you might not need to roll them all, which strikes me as the daftest thing I've seen in a rules book for a while. You can gain extra dice if you need them by taking on, sometimes you can, by taking on an extra problem which will give you an advantage now, but will cause you difficulties later. Okay. Um, Every so often, we'll make a simple roll, uh, a quick test, which won't be as elaborate as the uh, as the as the main as the main challenge mechanic. Um. Any questions now? Seems reasonably clear so far. Um, okay, I have no idea, no idea of what, what my odds will be, but so we can work that out when we get there. Uh, I'm not quite sure what your odds will be either. Now, you, your character starts with one particular problem, which you get to choose from a list, um, this list here, which is either <sighs> you have a compulsive curio- curiosity. Okay. Um, this may get you into trouble. You're lonely. Um, she's gone. Gone for good. It's time you moved on and found someone new. Maybe someone who won't play you for a sap this time. But the city's all about playing you for a sap. Well, yeah, true. I'm broke. Uh, yeah, you're a private, uh, private eye. You need to uh, pay to eat and keep the lights on. But just at the moment... You're on the verge of being evicted from your office and having your car repossessed. The honest customers can't pay, the dishonest ones don't want to. That's the case. And, or, uh, finally, Vice Hound. Uh, you've had problems with whores, the opium pipe, gambling. You can give it up, yeah. You can, you can, you can give it up any time, right? Right, yeah. If there's a need. So... One of those is your character's current. One of those is your character's current weakness, which you want it to be. Oh, that's a relief. I thought it was all of them. Oh no. 
okay, let's go for the curiosity. Yeah, right. Well, it is a classic. It's almost required. In that case, let us segue, as they say, into some appropriate music, probably on the saxophone. Los Angeles, 1937. In Tinseltown, the tinsel is probably at its brightest just about now. Some people will say that uh, the glory has gone out of Hollywood and the best days lie in the past with Irving Thalberg and uh, the uh, early founders. Thalberg died two years ago and the town hasn't quite been the same. Well, there are still optimistic fools around there trying to improve things. There's this guy called Disney who wants to make a full-length uh, animated feature, if you can believe it. Hmm. Abroad, the uh, uh, Europe is going through some slightly troubling times, but you probably wouldn't know about that or care if you didn't have friends or relatives over there. And on the other side of the Pacific, which is, you know, nearer... Japan is doing some very alarming things in China, but unless you have friends in the Navy or the Marines, you probably wouldn't know about that either. The city is big, bustling, full of money and almost as full of corruption. You can't really trust the cops, half of them, more than half, are connected uh, to the system, the uh, organization which runs everything that's crooked in Los Angeles and there's a lot of crooked in Los Angeles. A few people try to make what justice they can in a very unjust city. One of them is called Dex Raymond. So, you're sitting in your office one day and a dame comes in. Your office is in Bunker Hill. Uh, it's a bit dingy and uh, not exactly um, a high-class area. But, uh, nonetheless, a good-looking woman comes into your, your office and says, Mr. Raymond? That's right. I have a problem that perhaps you can help me with. That's what I'm here for, says it on the door. Yeah, man. Sure, let me just shift that. My, my sister. Something's happened to my sister. I don't know quite what. Word on the street is you, you don't give up on cases. She was, with some. Just hanging around with some very rough people. Shall we start at the beginning? Yeah. Sure. Okay. 
You tell me that you're going to see this through to the end. That's what I do. Sometimes some people don't like that, but that's what I do. Well, she asks you to light her cigarette. And as she does so, you can look into her dark brown eyes and feel something stirring, which hasn't stirred for a little while. And... You feel you're going to have to keep this professional. For now. For now. Okay, in that case, you roll against your... Uh, against your cool. And the advanced number is on the 4+, plus, so it isn't that difficult. In other words, I need a 4+, plus to succeed. You need a 4+, plus to succeed fully. And I'll roll a three. All right, you can. Um, all right. Okay, you don't go all goo-goo-eyed at a you. You, she's something special, all right, but you've not fallen for her the way you sometimes do, and you know you do. There's plenty of time for that. Maybe. All right. Six weeks ago, my sister Helen went missing. She was, she is my younger sister. She's a bit, well, we don't trust her with the family business, she says. Um, four weeks ago, she turned up. She was in the middle of downtown, late at night. She was only, she was dressed in a camisole and slip, nothing else. And the cops recognized her and brought her to me. She didn't seem to recognize me. She's been... She's not spoken. Nearly catatonic. She she just sits and stares. I've given her the best care that I can... The, the best care I can find in the city. The cops... Cops. They looked around, but they turned up nothing useful. I mean, I didn't want... If she was involved in something terrible, something scandalous... Well, I'd, I'd rather I knew about it and not the cops. They leak a little, you know? They're the best, best police force money can buy. Yeah. yeah, well, I think they're already bought by people with more money than me. I was hoping she'd recover. I may have left it too long, but I'm not going to get the story from Helen. I, and I want, I want the sons of a bitches who did this to her. She has... That's a thing we can do. Is it? I would be so grateful. So... She, she, she suffered some cuts and scrapes, but... There weren't any serious physical injuries. The doctor says she hadn't been... Quite. Not forcibly. Not recently, anyway. Somebody... I don't know who. Somebody knows something about this. So, you mentioned a family business. Could you clarify that a little? 
I run, well, since my father uh, stepped down from running the business, I've um, I, I've uh, I've been run, running it. We're in real estate, you know, and yeah, the the name Mikim does mean something to you, and you've heard that she's a I was too far to give it. Well, yeah, no, no, you. She, you know that she's a tough cookie, um, and and the, her good looks sometimes make people underestimate her. In this town, you'd think they'd know better by now. You'd think so, yes. All right, so before she went missing, uh, can you tell me anything about her friends, the people she was hanging around with? Well... Helen has always been a little wild. She is... She was... Inclined to uh, to follow pleasure rather than take the long view. And I'm afraid that I, I let her know too firmly that, that I wasn't pleased with her and she, she stopped talking to me. When our mother became ill, Helen got in into her head that... Um, that there was some sort of hocus-pocus that could fix her. She started talking about auras and pyramids and secret masters. And I don't know what else. I heard her... I heard her using the phrase Argent Light a lot. There were several men in her life. The only one I know, the only one whose name I know, is Marshall Daly. He's a screenwriter at Capitol Pictures. I met him a couple of times. Probably jealous, certainly good-looking and angry. And he came to the house whilst Helen was missing. It must have been five weeks ago. Asking after Helen. I told him nothing, because all I know, he was involved. Mm-hmm. She seems to have run down. She looks at the stub of her cigarette and grinds it out in your ashtray and lights another. It's a start. I will have to ask around. I'll try to be discreet. Obviously, you want the information before anybody else gets it. Yeah. Just for clarification, your name? Oh. I'm sorry, didn't I? Margaret. Margaret Deacon. Can I say? No, it's easy, I? easy to forget. No. Um, she takes a card out of her wallet and uh, president in charge of operations, Deacon, um, Deacon Real Estate, a phone number, the address of her office. Right, well, we've got, we've got the standard rates. Uh, I'll let you know as soon as I hear anything. She thanks you, and even if us do, uh, give a little in advance. 
Sure. So where are you going next? tell us your tales of uh, men going down mean streets who are not themselves broken or mean and of the time that you forgot to mention the name of a major player character the first time you introduced her. And if you're looking for suggestions of what to do with all this treasure you've just found we have many of those. <laughs> yeah, we have, what was the word? We, we have a tip jar, yes. Mm. Yeah, please, please uh, we accept gold pieces uh, or even accept the radioactive uh, giant room room full of gold. Um, oh, yeah, i got to use for that. Yeah. Um, then you can contact us. Uh, send an email to podcast at tekeli.ly or just leave a message on the website. And in a month's time, we'll be back again to bother you again. <laughs> <laughs>